Good day, everyone. Welcome to yet another episode of Optimism. I'm really happy today. Pretty, pretty happy. And I believe most football fans are. As our beloved Premier League is finally back. <laughs> Return of the Premier League is one of the happiest days of the year for me. I feel very positive and I really, really look forward to the weekends dearly. Even on midweek sometimes, I'm sure some of my friends who are listening to me right now do that. <laughs> it also allows our friends on the other side of uh, positivity. You know, your trolls and the fans who tend to mock pretty much everything and abuse pretty much everyone. Who are just, just never ever satisfied. Uh, that's why we are here. That's why we are here to balance the negativity in the sporting world, especially football, man. Twitter football after a game of football is fun or really depressing, depending on the on your allegiances. <laughs> now, before we go ahead, uh, I would request you to follow Optimism on your podcast streaming platform. Uh, please make a little effort in finding that button, please. It should be there somewhere. Uh, and while you're at it, and if you do find it, see if you can also find this button where you can rate my podcast. So the Premier League, League A and Bundesliga are back this week. And uh, La Liga and Serie A will return next week. With that, let's go and quickly preview what we might have in store over the course of the season. We'll start with match day one, though. A cracker of a game between Arsenal and Crystal Palace. We are recording this podcast on a Friday evening, so you might have seen the Gunners play Palace already. And I'd love to be told or see how wrong or right I was. Because I'm really looking forward to seeing Arsenal play this season. I'm also looking forward to the All or Nothing documentary. But um, I'll start with the Premier League match first. Now, Arsenal have added five new players in this transfer window, which includes the likes of Zinchenko, Gabriel Jesus, uh, players who should have an instant impact at Arsenal, considering their Premier League experience. Uh, Arsenal will play Europa League this season and should be one of the favourites along with domestic rivals Manchester United. They seem very well prepared as we go into the new season. That was pretty evident in their pre-season fixtures, especially that 4-0 thumping of Chelsea. Uh, I might have egg in my mouth after Palace thump Arsenal at Sellers Park, but I do expect them to challenge for top four. They might just miss out. But they're surely better than last season and Arsenal fans can expect their team to come good come better than last season for sure. We'll move on to their rivals for the Europa League, uh, how the mighty have fallen, the biggest hung headline Hungary club in the world, Manchester United. Uh, Man United has probably had one of the best preseason in a long, long time, but all of it has pretty much been clouded by the fact their star player, Cristiano Ronaldo, wants to quit Manchester United in search of Champions League football which he was aware of from April and didn't bother to reveal. And if that is true, Cristiano just not done there. Here's the thing. I get it. I know most United fans get it and are okay to see him leave uh, and go score more Champions League clubs, wherever he might find a club who can afford him and who want to let him play with in their, in their first 11. And I'm kind of going, going against my own principle of talking positive things only. 
But I do want, um, and I, in, in we look at that, I do think Manchester United will be better than, without Cristiano Ronaldo. It's uh, a shame that I have to say that. But it's also a shame that Man United are gathering all the headlines still for the wrong reasons. They're still gathering headlines for off-the-pitch stuff, even though there are pretty good things happening in on the pitch. They had a good preseason. They are pretty much well prepared. However, transfers are still a thing which do not you know, feel make people you know make Man United fans feel good at least. They have added three new players. Uh but none of them seem to have come in for the positions that apparently needed fixing. Left back, Tyler Malasia, midfielder, or sort of an attacking midfielder, I'd say Christian Eriksen, where they already have people like Bruno Fernandes there. Um, they've also signed centre-back, apparently, Lissandro Martinez, who can play defensive midfielder. I'm not sure if he is signed for that. But nevertheless, all good signings. But United are weak in the center of the attack. They have a second choice right back in Diogo Dalo as the preferred one over Van Bissaka. <laughs> um, so Diogo Dalo is now the first choice right back. He was the second choice right back last season. He was even loaned to Milan uh, sometime back. I don't remember when, but that was there. And they have a huge, big hole, a big hole in center midfield, which they haven't fixed. I go back to Roy Keane days. <laughs> Let's not go there. So Michael Carrick even. Remember, um, one of the greatest managers of all time, Alex Ferguson even, was playing Wayne Rooney in the center of the park. And even though he was just okay there, uh, they just haven't signed anyone since forever. And... They tried to sign, they did sign Nimaya Matic. That didn't work out really well. Uh, not at least how many thought it should or would. Um, they're trying to fill that hole with Frankie de Jong. And it has been 12 week, weeks or 13 weeks. And it doesn't look like they will be able to fill that hole with de Jong. So they will still have a hole in the middle of the park. And most likely that hole will not allow them to cross and finish top four. That is what I think. I'm not sure they are good enough. Um, but let's see. Ericsson Hag is a positive news for Man United. He he does bring that 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 personality that I feel could help Man United. I finally see them being coached by a proper coach on the grass. And I, I hear less words in press conferences and I have seen some of the preseason and that's something good. So yeah, I, would, I would like that. I don't want my manager to uh, say good things in the press conferences and then mess it up and have his, or let's say his team mess it up uh, on the pitch. So if United can do well, even with those players in already only, and Ten um, Hag says a few things in press conferences, uh, I'm good. I'm happy. And I'm pretty sure many Man United fans also will. Um, but yeah, it's still just remarkable to hear and see that Man United have not done much to fix that hole. And I'll continue to stress on that. Instead, they have this Ronaldo thing going on, which is just, I think, how do you say that? Is it? I don't know. I'm, I'm not that great with the words. 
in, uh, in with fancy words, but they are making that hole bigger. Ronaldo is making that hole bigger. Not that Man United are, but probably they are adding to the mess by not doing things right. I don't know. I don't know what right even is in, in when it comes to Man United. So yeah, thank you, Man United. Um, you have trained pretty much a lot of optimism out of this podcast already. I I don't think I said many good things about Man United in the last few minutes. Well, I'll stop there on Man United. Um, yeah, before that, Man United to host Brighton on the first day of the season. That's on Sunday. They lost four nil to Brighton the last time they met. Let's see how optimistic I am after the, the game ends on Sunday. And if you're a Man United fan, wait till you hear about Liverpool and Man City. That should help with the optimism, right? <laughs> I'll not go there yet, though. Talk Spurs. Because Spurs, in my opinion, have had the best transfer window of all. In I was fearful of Conte not getting backed by Spurs and Daniel leaving the summer, even after the results that they showed last season. You know, if you remember, there were controversies when it felt like he was he was going to resign tomorrow, <laughs> but he didn't. Um, and now they have done remarkable business. They have had six players walk through the door, if I'm not wrong, which includes players like Richarlison and Perisic. Even Longley Longley has joined from Barcelona, uh, the cash-rich Barcelona. <laughs> Spurs in the Champions League this season, and I fully expect them to go a long distance. They should also be making it to into the top four next season. I have very little doubt over them not uh, making it to the Champions League next season. Uh, in fact, Liverpool and City have been the best two teams in England, um, and I will go the that route and say that if anyone can challenge those two. It probably will be Spurs. Spurs are 15 to 1 to win the league, by the way. And it's a not bad bet, honestly speaking. Also, I'm not endorsing betting in any way, just for the record. I don't want people coming on, banging on my door and getting me out just because I said the Spurs are probably favored by a certain odd to win the league. We'll move on to the next team. Um, and I'm really puffing my cheeks right now while I talk about them. Chelsea. After having one of the most being one of the most successful teams in of the last decade, which I think they really were Chelsea, uh, they are having a reality check. Um, and even the new owners who came in seem to be having a reality check, especially when it comes to the transfer window. Uh, they're giving Man United a tough. Uh, run or they're matching them step by step on how you know what messing things up or unable to get things done the right way you look at Chelsea uh, you look at uh, those the other two Liverpool and City and we'll talk about them Chelsea like Man United are just not able to get things done right and that's a small reason for concern well uh, they've Positive news, uh, they've had Koulibaly and uh, Raheem Sterling walk through the door, but I'm not sure if that's enough. Both of them are amazing players and should do well for Chelsea. But at the same time, they will do well, at least I feel that, if the right structure is in place. A 4 nil defeat by Arsenal in pre-season was a major red flag in my opinion. Not so much for what happened on the pitch. Of course, it's, it's pre-season, we get it. And why I'm saying it, 
I feel that 4-0 by Chelsea is a bad one. But still, if you're going to treat pre-season as pre-season, nothing's in it, go for five, fair enough. But how do you read uh, Thomas Tuchel's comments after the pre-season game, that 4-0 thumping by Chelsea, by Arsenal? Not good enough. He said that he knew there were players there who did not want to be there. And I'm not sure if that's a positive sign going into the preseason. Uh, Cesar Azpilicueta has continue will continue to be a Chelsea fa- player. Um, Barcelona has apparently pulled out, and Chelsea are have their man staying, Mr. Chelsea, uh, staying at Chelsea for another couple of seasons. But there's concerns over Marcos Alonso. Uh, there are things going around uh, Marco Corella. I'm not sure if it's going to City or Chelsea. Apparently, Chelsea are hijacking that. Uh, they're also hijacking the deal for Frankie de Jong. Um, uh, but the whole thing kind of makes me think how well prepared Chelsea were before this recruitment process started. Uh, I'm pretty sure they have... I'm not sure. It's a fact that Chelsea were in disarray. Uh, largely, the whole football operations setup that was set up in the last decade um, is gone. So they're starting afresh. They don't have a sporting director. Their owner is pretty much playing football manager, uh, traveling around Europe and getting trying to sign players, uh, trying to go after players which other clubs are after. Uh, they got done over with Kunde, uh, who has joined Barcelona. They got done over with Rafinha, who also joined Barcelona. Uh, they were apparently in for Matis Delit, uh, who was at Juventus and has now traveled and moved to Bayern Munich. So, not the best of way to start for Chelsea. Um, they might have some really good news coming in if they do end up hijacking Frank de Jong's uh, deal you know, from Barcelona to Man United. That could be a very good news. Uh, but I'm not sure if they need somebody like Frankie de Jong, considering they have uh, Kovacic, Conte, um, Billy Gilmore is back, and uh, even the guy Gallagher, I'm forgetting his first name. So they have midfielders. I'm not sure why Frankie de Jong, are they just trying to react and get big name signings in? Uh, does that work? It surely does for Chelsea, apparently. It has in the past, but I'm not sure if this ownership can make things work like the previous ownership did. Regardless of all of that, Chelsea still have a decent squad. They should have a decent season, but I don't think they will challenge Liverpool and City for the league title. They weren't apparently for it last season, but it just went by very quickly and they were out of it uh, when we started 2022. Yeah. Also because of how strong Conte is, Spurs, I should say, how strong they are. Uh, I just fear for Chelsea and I think Chelsea might just be competing for a top four spot rather than uh, for the title. They will be fighting with Arsenal and Man United for the final fourth spot, in my opinion, because I'm pretty sure Spurs will finish in the top three. Might be wrong. We'll talk in May if that is the case or not. But yeah, that's what I think. Meanwhile, all Chelsea fans can remain hopeful because they have a great manager. And barring all the issues with getting players in, they do have a fairly decent squad in all honesty. Right then. 
on to the two juggernauts of the Premier League, which we cannot end this podcast without talking about them. Manchester City and Liverpool, the two frontrunners of the Premier League at the moment, and I fully expect them to carry on their battle for England's top club from last season, which they carried on from the previous one and so on. They are ready. They have completed their preseason well. They have had their signings walk through the door way early in the transfer window and the managers have had enough time to understand and bet them in. Obviously, highlights have been Erling Haaland at City and Darwin Nunes at Liverpool. And um, most people most people should they do expect them to do well. Sadio Mane has left Liverpool, which is a loss for sure. But at the same time, additions of Nunes um, and even Luis Diaz, who was signed last January, I mean, this January, last season, should more than compensate for the loss of Mane, which is Bayern Munich's gain, which we'll talk very soon. Uh, also, Bobby Firmino should get more minutes than last season, and I'm pretty sure he's the, that guy will go do good for for Liverpool and for club. City have lost Sterling. Uh, they might lose Bernardo Silva, but they've got Phil Foden coming in. I'm pretty sure Phil Foden will have more minutes this time. Um, adding to that, yeah, obviously they've signed Holland, they've signed Calvin Phillips, and they also have a new very bright striker, Julian Alvarez. All good things to be hopeful and optimistic about if you're a City fan. Not so much if you are a Man United fan. <laughs> um, and yeah, for Liverpool fans, I think they'll they'll be they will be waiting and to go head on again with with, with City. <laughs> One thing interesting to see how they these two, in fact, will uh, will fare playing with a an actual number nine in their ranks. Uh, it's been years of tweaking things, tweaking formations, not knowing who's playing where, especially in the case of City, uh, probably a false nine. But now they do have an out-and-out strike in Holland, who, barring any injuries, and I hope it doesn't happen, he should do be well and score lots of goals for Man City. And same will happen for Darwin Nunez. Uh, it will be interesting to see how uh, Mo Salah, uh, Luis Diaz, uh, Diogo Jota and Bobby Firmino in whatever formation they are playing, how they combine when Darwin Nunez is playing in the center of the pitch. Um, will that affect anybody's performance or will that enhance all of their performance? It'll be an interesting watch and I'm pretty sure in a, in a few weeks' time we'll know where both these teams are heading after their new recruits have bedded in and kind of adapted to the Premier League. Fans of rival clubs should not at all be hopeful much of seeing any decline from these two, <laughs> while their fans can be optimistic of adding more silverware to their draft trophy cabinet, especially the coverage Champions League in the case of Manchester City. Um, other than the top six, uh, I am looking forward to see how West Ham do this time around. And honestly, I will be closely watching Newcastle United and see where they finish in the league. Uh, remember, Newcastle United are going into the season after they got new owners before the January window last season. And from being firm favorites to get relegated, they managed to say to come back and earned another year in the Premier League. They would want to start their climb to achieve their and their club's owners' aspirations this season. And that should be an interesting watch. If they don't, it will be the end for Eddie Howe very soon. I'm sure of that. Nottingham Forest are back in the Premier League after 26 long years and nobody would be looking forward to the return of the Premier League more than the Forest fans. And we wish them well. They've added 12 new players, if I'm not wrong, including Jay Lings, 
former Manchester United and West Ham United player, also an England international. He signed a one-year deal at Forest. Some have criticized him for doing that. Some have criticized him for choosing money over uh, choosing playing for West Ham United, who were probably offering him a little less, but a better stage, which is a fair argument. But Jailing or Jesse Lingard is 29 or turning 30 soon. And I'm pretty sure he's not in the game only to just play. He's also heir to earn some bucks. And I don't have a problem with players going for the money because they do have a very short span of career. I don't think Jesse Lingard or anybody for that matter should be blamed for wanting more money. That's just, uh, anybody would do that. Anybody would want to earn more money. Um, he's going to a good club. Uh, Steve Cooper is a great manager. They have a good team around. They've added new stuff. Their owners seem serious about staying in the Premier League and going from you know, one thing to the other. Uh, let's see how that works. People are forecasting them to be relegated this season, going back down, but I am not of that opinion. I think Forest will stay up. Um, and I'm going to quickly go to my predictions where I will talk uh, I'll tell which clubs I think might get relegated. So, quick prediction for the Premier League. Um, in this order, Man City to finish top, Spurs to finish second, Liverpool to finish third, and the fourth spot is absolutely wide open between Chelsea, Arsenal, and Man United. I am not able to choose between them. Um, I'll be surprised if another club takes that fourth spot instead of those three but I don't see any of those three finishing any place above the fourth spot I'll be I'll be I'll be happy if I am proved wrong only in the case of Man United finishing a little above fourth even fourth for that matter to be honest but um, I don't think Chelsea or Arsenal can uh, finish above uh, above fourth spot uh, most more probably even united won't i'm just being optimistic <laughs> uh regarding relegation i do ex- uh, fear for brentford i think they will probably go down they were one of the worst performing teams in the second half of the season um just before eric's uh, and i think just, just ericsson's signing did help them He's gone. He's he's now at Man United, and uh, they might just find it a little tough. Um, apart from Brentford, I do think Bournemouth and Fulham will just go back down. Yo yo clubs. Um, that was the Premier League. Uh, we will not discriminate with others. Uh, so, but there's nothing much to be honest, and you all know that, and why you know why. But I'll not speak of those things. But uh, if talking of the Bundesliga, uh, Bayern Munich. Should probably win the league again, uh, but they have have lost Robert Lewandowski to FC Barcelona, who are swimming in cash. If you look at the squad they have assembled together, led after being uh, 1.4 billion in debt. 1.4 billion in debt is a lot of money. <laughs> Good luck to Barcelona. But yeah, uh, uh, talking of Bayern Munich, they have signed Sadio Mane, who should be a great addition. Uh, I think one of the reasons that Lewandowski was not preferred by Julian Nagelsmann 
is because of his static nature, which I don't understand much, to be honest, because he's a great goal scorer, but it's probably like what the problem that Man United have been facing with Cristiano Ronaldo. So, yeah, Julian Nagelsmann has made a, did make his mind help. He's gotten a world-class player in Sadio Mane, and I'm pretty sure he will improve. Uh, he will give another dynamic, another way to play for, for Bayern, and Bayern should be more compete, uh, competing more you know, than last season, especially in the Champions League. What uh, regarding Bundesliga, I don't think they have any threats from from Dortmund. They've lost their key players in Sancho and Haaland already, and again, are uh, rebuilding again. Have got good, have got in good players. Uh, but yeah, Sebastian Haller was a was a sad news, and we wish him well. We wish him all the best, a speedy recovery. But yeah, not good signs for Dortmund, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, should be another. One of those seasons for Bayern, well, they win the league, but it will be interesting where they can go in the Champions League. Um, coming back to our friends in Barcelona, um, you know, the rich folks. So, um, yeah, they've they've added quite a lot of players. They've gotten Lewandowski, they've gotten Rafinha, they've gotten uh, Jules Kunde, they've got in... Who else? They've gotten a couple of more. I'm forgetting. But nevertheless, they have a huge card. They're supposed to offload a bunch of them uh, and so far have not been able to do so. Um, They're the Palancas <laughs> FC, <laughs> if I got that right. So these three uh, economic levers that have, they have pulled to mortgage their future and earn some money for right now so that they can compete right now. Uh, that's how they're operating. That's how they want to do business and good luck to them. But yeah, if they do uh, manage to register these players, which they are not sure of, which nobody knows if they will be able to. I read a report earlier today that they are still 150 million away in valuation uh, from La Liga's valuation. So it'll be interesting if they have all these you know stars sitting on the bench, or sorry, sitting in the stands um, and not even registered to play for Barcelona Football Club. So, if even if they do register, you know, all of these, they should still not be able to do one better and beat Real Madrid for the La Liga title. I think Real Madrid will still are much more stable. Obviously, they have better players. They just won the Champions League last season and the league last season as well. So, under Carlo Ancelotti, so they should be fine. But yeah, I think I do expect Barcelona to be a little more relevant in. Um, in the league and the Champions League, uh, I don't think they will be knocked out of the of the group stages like last time, and I don't think they will expect be beaten like eight two. Was it against Bayern? Uh, obviously, they can't get beaten eight two because uh, Philip Coutinho doesn't play for Bayern anymore. Should have been playing for Barcelona, but he was on loan to Bayern, who scored two goals that day. But yeah, that was a fun day. Yeah, and and not even Lewandowski. Uh, Lewandowski has joined uh, them. So let's see. Um, meanwhile, in Italy, both Milan clubs will want to repeat the last season's form and do one better than their city rivals. Uh, Milan won the Serie A last season after a long wait. Uh, I don't know, was it eleven years? If I'm not wrong. Um, and Lukaku was back to take his throne back. <laughs> Uh, to the other side of Milan, um, he has joined Inter from Chelsea, rejoined, I should say, 
on alone and back to the city he says he loves the most yeah. and he will be fighting 41 year old Zlatan Ibrahimovic to be the king of Milan a win for Inter fans there surely a win it looks like for Romelu Lukaku as well and a win for Serie A because uh, things are rather getting interesting back again in, in Italy um, and it, because that wasn't enough uh, Milan clubs doing head going head to toe uh, for the title I think there is a nice thing brewing at Roma because you've got Tammy Abraham Zaniolo and Paolo Dybala in the attack for Jose Mourinho's Roma who won the Conference League last season. This will be a good team and I do expect Roma to do well. It will be nice if they can compete the Milan clubs for the title. Um, that will be an interesting thing for Mourinho to do with Roma. <laughs> So yeah, that's it. Let's go. This is the Premier League uh, and the La Liga and the Bundesliga re- preview for season 22-23 done. Uh, oh yeah, uh, Messi still plays for PSG, so does Neymar. Uh, so does Kylian Mbappe, if you did miss that news. Uh, um, Di Maria doesn't. He has left them for Juventus, uh, who has also been joined by Paul Pogba, who is already out for because of injury after a free transfer from Man United um, and coming back to PSG again uh, they have a new manager who looks like he's not taking any not going to take much shit from the players um, yeah PSG will win the league and I will have an egg in my mouth surely if they don't but the Champions League is what they are after and, and let's go And that's it from me. Hope you have a good weekend. Hope you like this edition of the podcast. Do follow this pod. Do share it with your friends if you liked it. And uh, enjoy the turn of football. Until next time. Thanks.